0: built in the early 1900s, and, you know, big verandas all the way around. Uh, There's breezeways between each of the little buildings. Like, they're not huge buildings, four beds probably. Um, Buildings between, uh, breezeways between each of the buildings. Interestingly enough, now that we've gone through COVID, to reduce infection spread. um, And because it it creates airflow, doesn't it? It's just so funny that what we were doing, you know, 100 years ago. Uh, we've gone back to.
1: Hello and welcome to a Nurse Outwear podcast. My name is Danielle Corsa and I have been a rural and remote nurse for most of my career. I created this podcast as an opportunity to explore and celebrate and perhaps spark some interest in rural and remote nursing. Each week, we'll meet with some of the extraordinary nurses who live and work in rural and remote areas across Australia, as they tell their story about all that is beautiful and unique to rural and remote nursing. So join with me as we explore the stories from A Nurse Outwear. Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of A Nurse Outwear. My next guest is a very experienced nurse with 30 years of nursing and management across metropolitan, regional, and remote health services. Her experience includes intensive care nursing, St John's ambulance, hospital commissioning, public-private partnership, public and corporate sectors, and Department of Health projects. She specializes in clinical governance and safety and quality, innovation and change management, emergency management, and building teams. She's also a fellow with the Australasian College of Health Service Managers and holds a Master of Healthcare Management. Currently, she's the Operations Manager for the Comprehensive Care Centre at Sir Charles Gardner Hospital. Welcome, Kerry Wilcox. How are you, mate?
0: Yeah, very good. Thank you very much for the invite. So looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I can't wait to, to hear and share your story. I'm sure after 30 years of nursing and management, you've got plenty of yarns to tell.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a few stories along the way.
1: <laughs> so as we kick off, the podcast is titled A Nurse Out Where? So from your perspective, can you finish the sentence, I'm a nurse out where?
0: Oh gosh, look, I'm back in Perth now, but uh, I've recently spent four years out in WA Country Health Service. Um, across a couple of, well, several different sites. But my first uh, outwear was Leonora. Uh, Leonora? Leonora. Yep. So Leonora is about 800 k's away from Perth um, at the bottom of the desert. And uh, I, I'd never even been anywhere near it, knew nothing about it, turned up sight unseen uh, and the first thought was, oh, there's way not enough water out here for me. <laughs> like red dirt and um, yeah, just an amazing site to drive up to. So, uh, about three hours away from the nearest sort of sister hospital, their you know, non tertiary hospital, their next level up. Yep. Um, yeah, just, just an amazing environment to go and nurse in. Um, so, that was one of them. 450 people in town, primarily Aboriginal community. Um, and I looked after that, Anne Laverton uh, was the director of nursing for both hospitals, they're about an hour apart. Uh, equally as remote as the other, you had to drive through Leonora to get to Kalgoorlie. So for those that had no Kalgoorlie, you know, at the end of um, the Nullarbor, yep. you know, Norseman is, is similarly placed. Um, Yeah, just amazing, amazing towns to turn up in and and go, okay, I'm an intensive care nurse. What do I do now? Uh, I'm used to all of my people and all of my machines and all of my doctors and all my nurses and um, a great adventure to be had. So So,
1: where did that come from? What what sparked your interest to go so remote? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, look, I'd been working... I'd left uh, intensive care in 2015, um, I'd left the tertiary hospital in Perth that I'd been working in and went to uh, private land, was uh, part of a commissioning team on safety and quality in a, in a brand new um, tertiary hospital and then went to the corporate sector and as a consultant worked in the corporate sector and I just... After 12 months, I was like, I really want to get back into public health. These people don't speak my language. Um, they don't understand. You know, people don't understand nurses unless you're, like, you like you get it anyway. So I rang a, um, the director of nursing workforce for WA Country Health Service, or WAX, um, and said, look, I want to get back in. I want to do something different. And she goes, would you be the director of nursing at Leonora? I went, oh, yeah, no dramas no idea where it was <laughs> no no idea how small the town was no idea how what the hospital looked like nothing sight unseen Went, oh yeah I can do that um that's how it started wow that's how it started so I spent uh six months there and then moved up to the Kimberley uh, and spent a couple of years working across the hall of the Kimberley Um, But my last, well, one of the the last hospitals that I was the director of nursing at there was Halls Creek, which is at the exact opposite end of the desert to Leonora, uh, is a much bigger Aboriginal town, you know, primarily Aboriginal community. uh, And Leonora was like a suburb of Perth in comparison to Halls Creek. Um, Halls Creek's 3,000 kilometres away from Perth and uh huge challenges around remote aboriginal community health care and um and service provision and uh, but had the best time
1: yeah great yeah great so um, you know we're bound by confidentiality as you know but have you got a, a fond memory or a tale to tell about your time
0: oh absolutely so uh Leonora Hospital is on Sadie Canning Drive and um, although that doesn't exist as far as Australia Post is concerned, it's quite interesting. Um, and you, you you walk in to the first part of the, the inpatient corridor and on the wall are photos of Sadie Canning and, and other nurses and Sadie Canning is an Aboriginal nurse or was an Aboriginal nurse and um, part of what's on the Leonora Hospital site is the actual original Hospital building. Um, and so, really cool to go and have a look at and explore because the signs are still on the walls. Oh, and it's wow. sort of three squares uh, built in the early 1900s. Um, and, you know, big verandas all the way around. Uh, there's breezeways between each of the little buildings. Like, they're not huge buildings, four beds probably. Um, yeah. Buildings between uh, breezeways between each of the buildings. Interestingly enough, now that we've gone through COVID to reduce infection spread um, and because it, it creates airflow, doesn't it? It's just so funny that what yeah. we were doing, you know, 100 years ago, uh, we've gone back to um, there was a men's ward. And, and we, you know, nurses that have been around in our generation all know this stuff, but we never lived in it. Um yeah. men's ward and the women's ward, and there was an infectious diseases ward. So uh, look back then, it probably would have been, you know, respiratory plague sort of stuff. Yep. Uh, But, um, and look, this is really, you know, so that's really interesting to actually walk through it and see the layout and and look at what the signs were and how they had it all done. But then another part of this story is not so, uh, well, it's interesting, but sad is a shed that was further down from the building where the aboriginal women birthed and you know that's uh, it's part of our history it's a really you know sad awful part of our history but um it was really interesting to go and explore this and note that the hospital buildings themselves were still standing and that one of the elders you know one of the oldest staff was able to tell me the story that that's what you know that's where that shed was and that's what happened um but just so interesting that that history, that piece of history, is still there, um, and it would—I would hate for them to tear it down. You know, it's probably—it's got to be full of asbestos and all the rest of it. But just so interesting. We don't have any of those buildings around anymore. We don't get to see that level of of history, and um, it was just really interesting to explore, to look at. You know, as I said, pre-COVID to think about infectious disease management which breezeways (laughs) and airflow. Uh, Clearly we haven't got it right at the moment Um, and we're having to retrofit all our hospitals to do that. But just really, really interesting to actually get to see that piece of history.
1: And isn't it incredible that without the local, you know, a a local traditional elder to be able to tell you those things, like we would never know that that was even there or what it was for. you know, like we lose that history. So yeah, yeah I'm so glad yeah. you shared that story.
0: Yeah, it's it's lovely, and I think that was part of, you know, part of the as I was saying before, the privilege of of um people sharing their stories with me, and uh and and it is such a privilege. Like we just there's so much of our history that we lose by people not telling stories, and so I think that's a real key to um. How we need to just engage with everybody and take every opportunity. Leonora, I I was supposed to go up for four months, and um, that ended up being six months. And I was there over Christmas. And as the director of nursing in a small, so I had six nursing FTE. It's a huge, huge workforce. Six, uh, and and most people is that, that all nurses, because,
1: or does that include?
0: Admin? Oh, no, that was my
1: nurses. And okay,
0: yeah. I had four uh, patient care assistants. Well, yep. they were patient care assistant slash cook slash orderly.
1: Uh, <laughs> Jack of all yeah. trades. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, as the director of nursing, you're, you're on call pretty much 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just because of the nature of you. The the profile was two nurses in the morning, one in the afternoon, and one at night, and they had one of their PSAs on you know, on those last two shifts. But if you had a big, a a traffic accident or an arrest or a big trauma come in, you know, always, always went in. I was literally 100 metres away from the hospital. Um, And uh, it it just, I don't know, just an amazing environment to connect with people. Um, So anyway, Christmas, I couldn't come home for Christmas to Perth. And... I decided that I was not going to spend Christmas day on our own on my own. Um, So we cooked, I went in and cooked Christmas lunch. We had two uh, aged care residents, no inpatients on the day, but two aged care residents. And I went in with my cook and one of my PSAs and we cooked lunch and I invited all the staff and their families. So there was one um, couple that had a little boy um, but any of the nurses that were not on shift were invited. Uh, the nurses that were on shift, their other halves were able to come over and we all sat together and had Christmas together. And oh, it was just so special, so special. We had the residents, the residents came and sat with us. Um, I'd gone down to Kalgoorlie a few weeks later and collected all the you know, Christmas crackers and we dressed the table up. And, uh, my PSA made pavlova from scratch. Um Yeah, it was just a great, it was so special to share that with them, Uh, all because I was absolutely not spending Christmas on my own.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so
0: nice. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. We had, there's so many memories. uh, One of our older, uh, you know, one one of the elders, female elders in town had been to Kalgoorlie, with um an infection and she'd come back to us and she needed to stay in with us so we could look after her wound and um in true form for her she was such a crack up but in true form for her effing and blinding and you know one of the orderlies oh no the cook comes in and just tells her off like you need to or I'm going to tell mum (laughs) (laughs) get in the (laughs) line You know, stuff like that, just getting to know the community and um, the people and being part of it. I uh, yeah. ne- never felt like I was on the outside.
1: Um, yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: yeah, really cool. Halls Creek was completely different, completely different. But uh, Leonora will hold a special place in my heart for ver- for uh, a very long time.
1: Yeah, nice. So when you say Halls Creek was different, was it the presentations? Was it the what about it was different?
0: Um, so look, you, you know, you're from Queensland, you know what the the tropical diseases are like and the mm-hmm. the heat and the humidity and what that does. Um, the The environment's very different. So we got a lot more wounds, uh, a lot more pneumonias, a lot more, um, there was a lot more violence in Halls Creek uh a lot more it despite the fact that it was a dry town, a lot more alcohol related incidents um, a much bigger town than Leonora is you know four hundred and fifty population Paul's Creek is about two thousand population very close to the tanami um, and that you know hips got hop skip and jump across to darwin um, yeah. or or Catherine, really um, And it was a, it was a really challenging time because we actually, I started there on the 6th of January, 2020. Oh no. Yeah. And two weeks later started planning for COVID. Um, And so just a lot, that was what made it so different. Um, We, you know, we had to stop socializing. We had to stop using the pool. We had to stop going to the gym. You couldn't go and have uh, dinners out, you know, all of those sorts of things, which, create a community in a small team and particularly when you're all isolated from family and friends you know that everybody goes out to these places you might take your husband or wife or partner or whatever but realistically you're away from the rest of your family and friends and and uh so significant difficulties because of that um being up there in wet season you know you've got cyclone prep and all the rest of it that goes along with that so just a completely different environment um and town and and the town you know there's some significant challenges in the town as there is scattered in you know town really remote towns all over the country um but i look covid is absolutely what made it different uh we we got um we had a staff member fly in and um and bring covid with them unfortunately uh but we had, and four of the nurses um, ended up with COVID, but no community spread. So, you know, we, we'd done all the prep, we'd done all the right things and we ended up with no community spread, but, but right. absolutely, you know, will stick in my mind forever, but for a very different reason
1: yeah. <laughs> to Leonora. Yeah. Yep. So you went from, you know, Metro Perth out to Leonora. What were some of the things that you missed when you got out there?
0: oh, good coffee. (laughs) Number one, (laughs) number one, no cafes. Um, I hadn't taken my coffee machine. I learned that lesson did take it to broom with me. Um, but yeah, no, no coffee, the, the range of, uh, just the variety you, you're very limited in everything. So, you know, the, the variety of fruit and veggies, um, the variety of meat, any groceries, and this is the same for all of the small towns that I've worked in. Just the variety is not there. Um, the social activities. So, one of the big challenges, particularly, you know, being a director of nursing in these sites, one of the challenges is you can't go and debrief with your staff, can you? You know, you. Yeah. It's a bit different to working on the floor with a bunch of nurses, and you all debrief together, uh, and and so managing that through conversations with my kids and and um, my mates in Perth. Uh, my girls sent me monthly care packages, so oh, I'd get nice. chocolate and you know all sorts of bits and pieces. Uh, just yeah, that so those sorts of things were really nice. Um, the social stuff was really challenging and also I never felt like you know I could go for a run or or go for a long walk anywhere because you're a long way away from the hospital if something big goes down yeah and um, particularly when there's not other senior staff around so it's not you know it's not that that wasn't accessible necessarily it just wasn't accessible very often yeah 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 and
1: is that the kind of things that you would do to look after your own mental health? Like, how would you look, you know, you said that it was challenging, but how did you look after yourself?
0: Yeah. So I did, um, I took some of my sewing and embroidery with me. Um, I, and, and there's certainly things that I learned through that experience that I changed when I moved up to the Kimberley. Um, and that I've ad- advised people to do in the, in the meantime, you know, it, what I learned from so I took my sewing machine I took some things to do uh, I got involved in the community group they had a sewing circle on a Wednesday night and so I got myself into that um, so that was really cool and I mean a couple of them were staff that worked for me and other staff that worked um, in public health so still in healthcare, I uh, got myself involved in that and that was great fun that was a real key Uh, to making sure I wasn't sitting on my own. They're very isolating roles and very isolating places. Um, And then, you know, sort of every couple of weeks, we'd go down to the pub for a meal together um, or try to do that. I'd often spend, you know, just pop over to the hospital to say hello on the weekend, just see how they're all going or go and talk to the residents or, you know, for no other reason than I didn't want to sit at home on my own. Um, and I don't have a four-wheel drive, so I certainly didn't venture out on my own. But um, there was a couple of, you know, staff that came through that we did. We, you know, I'd tell everybody, turn the phone off and, and off we go for a day, drive around and go visit some of the spots. Um, yeah. But absolutely, the, the isolation is very challenging and, um, and managing mental health in that environment away from everybody is, is has to be considered
1: yeah yeah and I think um you know other people have have mentioned knowing what your triggers are and knowing yeah. you know how to act on them um I think is really important particularly when we're in these isolated areas
0: yeah definitely so um, yeah you know, I did I learned a lot
1: so you mentioned um you know that uh other people would come through with vehicles and you go and explore or you know what what would what would you do what would others do how do you fill in your days off like is is there enough to keep you busy
0: well there was no netflix uh, <laughs> so, um, so i did a bit of I, I took dvds with me um i read a lot so i took a lot of books with me um and if i needed a new one another one had would arrive in the care package from perth so that was nice. Um, there was once every couple of months I'd come down to Kalgoorlie, I'd make, you know, meetings with the executive. Uh, I'd usually be, like, there was times where we had a broken washing machine. And um, so the washing machine goes on the back of the, my, the director of nursing, ute, because uh, all directors <laughs> of nursing, they do. Ute. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, bring the washing machine down to get serviced, drop that off, go and pick up everybody's shopping, <laughs> um go and pick up I, I bought desks we had to you know put some new desks in one of the offices so I you know, I picked up the new desks and you know do all of that uh and then and then go back up and um so that's a bit exciting for everybody we all socialized around that um just a lot of I thought, it's a really important time for reflection and really important time to understand where you want to be, I, you know. I'd, I'm an intensive care nurse, so it was never on my radar when I was a young nurse. I had my kids when I was 25 or 24, 25. Um, I was an intensive care nurse by then, so going bush was absolutely not on my radar. But once I'd finished ICU, um, I'd done some other things, and I was on my own. My girls had grown up. I was like, I just want to do something different. And so, when you're ready to put yourself out there and do that, there are consequences absolutely like I had to go oh dear this is very isolating and how do I manage this um and so lots of you know lots of phone calls to to friends and my girls and um I did some journaling uh one of the things that I did because I was originally only going out for 20 weeks so when I first sat down I actually wrote uh, 20 to one on a list so that I could just cross off the weeks as I went through, if it was awful um, so that I knew I could get through it. It wasn't awful. And I never actually crossed off all the list because it didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to, Um, but yeah, lots of reading, lots of exploring when we did go out and about, um, you know, there's some beautiful cliffs and the, the, the natural environment in WA, country WA, is just amazing. And, I mean, I was born and bred New South Wales, so I know country New South Wales. I know country Queensland really well as well. But WA has just got a whole other level. And to get to go out with um, local Aboriginal people, so my staff, um, and hear some of their stories and be privileged to hear some of their stories and... Um, to get to go and sit down when they were doing art or you know, basket weaving to actually be invited. So, you know, such a privilege. Um, and so I think those things are what makes it so special. You've got to allow yourself to be part of that and be really respectful of that. And I, you know, part of my research interviews last year, one of the the junior nurses were saying you know we don't get any education on on cultural awareness and and cultural sensitivity and respect and so you go in all gung-ho and 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 she's so right I'm I'm lucky I've got um Aboriginal cousins and and family in New South Wales uh and I've been very fortunate to be brought up in a respectful um environment around um Aboriginal culture and and so I never for a second went in gung-ho and I I've just had beautiful relationships um, with my staff that were Aboriginal and was so so touched to be part of that and so being taken out and being told stories local stories having those things shared um, such a privilege and really part of that. I did some photography while I was out there. I took my camera with me and um, and so did some exploring around that as well. So I think it's just about having variety and um, having things that you're interested in and being able to be open to exploring um, and learning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow, that sounds so beautiful. Um, and, I, you know, it would be an absolute privilege to be able to experience some of those things um and understanding the true culture. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, you said that you've been doing some research. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about that?
0: Oh yeah. Look, I, I um so part of my master's studies, um I did masters of course by coursework because I never wanted to do research ever. Um, and of course then you need to do this obligatory research unit and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I was in Halls Creek as the director of nursing at the time uh, that I chose my research, and I had these junior, really junior or early career registered nurses. Um, I have a very, I, I, I've got a background as, as staff development, um, nursing, and staff education, and I've, you know, done lots and lots of teaching across a variety of levels, and it's interesting to watch uh, nurse managers um, or clinical nurses say, yep, you can go and do that. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Versus somebody who's, who's been part of education and development for a long time and go, actually, I won't, I won't chuck you in the deep end here. I'm going to coach you and support you to learn so that you feel safe. And I mean, that's where my passion around clinical governance and safety and quality is and, uh, one of the nurses that came to uh, that was, you know, one of the hospitals that I was in, had only ever worked in aged care for like twelve years. Had been a, a senior nurse in her home country a long time ago, but had never worked in remote, uh, and had not worked in, you know, non-aged care for a very, very long time. And somebody thought it was going to be a good idea to chuck her into ED two weeks after she arrived, and so. My research came from that and, and what, I, what I focused on was practice readiness of early career registered nurses. Not transition to practice from uni, there's so much literature out there around that. This was about the nurse that comes up from the city as a 1.3, you know, who's done their grad program and, and then lands in Halls Creek or Leonora or, you know, Mekithara and and has the biggest culture shock of their lives um and how do we make sure they're safe and how do we make sure that they stay because yep. we've got this you know this is pre-covid so we have this massive nurse walk, nursing workforce shortage now but pre-covid we already knew it was coming right. and how do we get them up here and keep them keep them engaged help them to feel safe as well as be able to you know deliver care and um the literature when doing a literature review around practice readiness of the early career registered nurse that the literature came out with a you know management support is required but there was no there was no real direction or understanding about what that should look like and so what came out I I interviewed early career registered nurses as well as the later career registered nurses so the managers and the the CNs and, and the nurses that had been around for longer than five years and actually found out that what we need to do is do things like send them to kalgoorlie for example for a couple of weeks before we send them to leonora or you know to the regional center first so that they don't just land in these tiny little places that where everybody has to be able to triage and everybody has to be able to work in the emergency department they don't even have full body assessment skills some of them You know, they've worked in orthopedic wards only where nothing goes wrong. (laughs) They they don't deal with trauma. You know, they've never seen an ED. And it's not to say that they've done anything wrong. It's just that they've not had exposure. And then we expect them to walk into these emergency departments and deal with primarily 90% of the patients are GP practice patients. Sore big toe, sore knee, you know, headache colds and flus they're not the problem it's the 10 percent that come in that have been beaten over the head with a star picket or that have got chest pain or that are septic and have pneumonia or that have been in a car accident they're the ones that you've got to worry about and it's only the only takes one of them to turn everything upside down and and to go to custard Uh, and so we need to prepare these nurses for and skill them with good assessment skills so that doesn't matter what comes in the door they don't need to know it all but at least they can assess them and follow instructions and call for help and all of those key things rather than being completely freaked out by what's in front of them and so you know things that came out of the research was better staff development and um, you know we know that in an FTA of six you can't have an SDN, uh, but what's being, you know, what we need is a telehealth or a virtual SDN that they can tap into. Yeah. Uh, having the time in the regional resource centre every year or every six months. Send them away for a couple of weeks. Get them out of town so that they come back. Um, so that we've got, you know, and look, because we don't have senior doctors, we've got great GPs in some of our towns great GPs but over 40 of our hospitals in WA have ED and the ward so you can't not work in ED so we've got emergency telehealth service much like Queensland but unless you know what questions to ask you don't know and so we need to support these nurses better and then they come and hopefully stay uh, rather than I mean I've had nurses I never forget. Halls Creek's a pretty scary place when you get off the plane. Like barren, you, <laughs> you know. The airport is is a building the size of a bedroom. You know, like it's and it's locked. You don't get into it. Uh, you walk across the tarmac. It's hot. Just, uh, yeah. But I've had nurses like literally look around and get back on the plane. I had yep. nurses, agency nurses that came and they they worked for two days and they were like. I am out of here. Um, and it's not that it was that bad. It was just so completely foreign to them. Yeah, we need to prepare them better. We need to tell them what they're coming to. Uh, we need to tell them to have a Telstra sim because we don't have any other providers out there. <laughs> Telstra is it. And yeah. if you turn up in town, uh, you can't ring your family, you can't ring the hospital to see where you're supposed to go. Like you just, it's that sort of stuff. I think if we prepare them better, we help to manage expectations. Um, we give them the scary stuff in little snaps and bites, rather than them, you know, turning up and then you give them the whole scary story, and they just want to run away. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, you know, they're the key things. Um, the, the research. I'm really grateful. The research has been published, and certainly there's, there is. It's transferable across all of health. It's not just the the aim was around remote, but transferable in what we can do for our junior nurses across all of all the hospitals remote rural and and the big hospitals as well because I still don't think we've got it right particularly now that we've got such a high percentage of um early career registered nurses
1: yeah yeah oh that sounds really interesting um I might um try and put a link to your research if I can oh yeah I'll send it to you yeah that's great yeah because I think there'd be be a lot of people interested in in reading that yeah um so what would be (laughs) you might already have the answers to this what would be your top three tips if someone was thinking about joining the workforce um going rural and remote what would you suggest they do before they go
0: yeah um get some ed experience get some ed experience even if it's only three months get some ed experience um it's it's so important because you will you don't get enough exposure in the smaller sites but you still get all the bits and pieces so you might see you know three chest pains come into a big ed in the space of three hours whereas in one of these remote sites you might not see one for three weeks and it just helps you to cement your assessment skills um have a mentor that is not in that town uh And I would suggest a nurse leader mentor that can help support you to advocate for yourself, to speak up when you don't feel safe. Um, And I mean, safe in practice. Uh, And an example of that was a a mentor of mine currently, uh, who's an early career registered nurse. And and one of the, the key things for her was about advocating for herself when they were trying to make her go out on the ambulance and she, you know, had only just got there and, and hadn't had any training and all of those sorts of things so um, advocating for self is really important um, and the mentor that will guide that and support you a mentor will also support you to feel vulnerable and you know be able to voice that and guide you to support you to to move forward and feel okay and um and validate your feelings as well and i, I think that's a really important piece um, and take something to do I absolutely, take something to do. <laughs> yeah. um, don't arrive thinking there's going to be plenty to do because there usually isn't. Um, there may be a gym in town, there may not be. Um, you may decide you never want to set foot in after the first time you've seen it. Um, you know, we know that some hospitals have a staff gym, and we we certainly ha- did have a staff gym in one of the sites. Um, but just take something to do. You know, be be ready to be on your own and isolated. Get involved in whatever else is going on in town, but certainly the ED experience is such a key. Um, a mentor, you know, I know the Australian College of Nurses have them. Um, I know other peak bodies have them. Reach out to nurse managers that that you know they know, and try and try and get themselves a mentor. And a, and a, you know, it doesn't have to be a nurse leader as in a manager, it can be a senior nurse that's just got some good grounding behind them.
1: Yep. Yeah, they're great tips. Um, and I, I particularly like you mentioned earlier that um, take take the opportunity to transition. So uh, I can't remember what how you phrased it, but it was, you know, don't go so remote first yeah. and yeah, take the chance in a regional and then rural yep. and then remote. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing. You know, we've got uh, as Perth's got all the tertiary hospitals are inside Perth. There's none in the rest of WA. But we've got seven regional centres, one in each region, and yep. and then bigger hospitals inside those. So, uh, yeah, it's it's really challenging to go and step inside a hospital that's got two ED bays and and four inpatient beds and um, a doctor sometimes and a doctor not other times yeah (laughs) move slowly (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) Yeah. and be kind to yourself you know oh absolutely yeah yeah Yeah,
0: because the expectations whenever you put your hand up to go and do these things is that you're going to be able to nail it Uh, and I think that's a real key Danielle is be kind to yourself
1: Awesome. Well, Kerry, thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, giving up your afternoon to have a yarn to me. I've appreciated all your top tips and um, hopefully we'll, I don't know, I'd love to get over to WA and have a yarn and talk more.
0: Absolutely. Look, thanks so much for the opportunity, Danielle. I'll um, look forward to hearing it. And uh, certainly if there's any questions that come out of it, let me know and I'll flick you off the, uh, the ISBN for the article so that you can share the link.
1: Awesome. Will do. Thank you. Hopefully we'll talk soon. Beautiful. Thanks, Danielle. If this has sparked your interest and you'd like some more information about this episode or perhaps how to take the leap and explore rural and remote nursing, you can contact me and check out my website, anurseoutwear.com.au. Or follow me on Facebook and Instagram by searching for A Nurse Outwear. Remember, like, subscribe and share them with your friends.